Well, when I was in high school, uh, the church that I was going to, um, well, our whole family went there, not just me, it uh, relocated to a new building that it built. It's this picture here, this nice big building. And it was a pretty good distance away from the original space. And so when we moved, it wasn't just in mileage, we also moved into new school districts. Um, The old standby school district of my church was DeKalb County. Any DeKalb County people in here? All right. Just a few of you. That was most of us, but when it moved, we ended up in kind of a Gwinnett County, DeKalb County rivalry. Are you with me on this? And what I remember was sitting in uh, Sunday school class. That's what it was called then. Very cool name. Sunday school class. And we were divided up by grades. And so mine was like the 11th grade class. And we were sitting there in the room. And the teacher for the day was the poor uh, intern for the year. Um, We were brutal as a youth group as they came. uh, And then we had the intern as well. And I don't remember the topic for the day, but somehow it revolved around loving people. You know, this is the thing you talk about in church, right? It depends on the church, either loving people or hating people, depending on the church uh, you grew up in. And so the conversation was going on, and uh, if this is the room, and this is the back wall, this is exactly where I was sitting, kind of in the middle. And something was said about the move of the church to the new building and how exciting it's been and all these new people. And someone uh, from DeKalb County said, and I quote, uh, it's been different since you all have been around. Now I'm eating my donut in the middle, of course. And I noticed at that moment the chairs moved And the room was neatly divided. It's like a movie. DeKalb County kids on one side, Gwinnett County kids on the other side, and me in the middle, eating my donut, Uh, just sitting there. uh, And I just happened to be sitting against the back wall, right in the middle of the divide, courtside, for the ensuing debate over whose youth group this really was. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if we did that right here? I mean, this church has been through a lot of locations. It's been through a lot of iterations. People come and people go. They move. Uh, if I said from this stage, and it was great back uptown with all those people. I don't know who you people are, you know. <laughs> Be interesting, wouldn't it? I'm not going to do that. But I remember just that moment was very awkward. And uh, I got a front row seat for uh, this thing that we humans are very used to doing, which is labels and perceived territories. Amen? These are the things that make the world go around. And we see something similar unfolding in our gospel reading for this morning. Notice what Matthew says. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, "'Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David,' My daughter is tormented by a demon. So Jesus gets these requests often. And a couple things to know about this part of the story. The phrase, a Canaanite woman, is a loaded phrase. There's a long history of acrimony between the Jewish people 
and Canaanites. And so she stands in the story as this outsider who's for some reason asking Jesus for help. She's a Gentile, a word that you might see in the Bible quite often if you read it. Um, That's not a dig. I'm just saying when you do, you might see this word. But it simply means a non-Jew, a non-Israelite. And so she is a Gentile. And yet, she carries this conviction that Jesus is more uh, than he might appear to be. He's more than just a teacher. She uses the phrase, son of David. This is a very insider phrase, a messianic phrase. It's a kind of confession. But she is a Canaanite. She remains an outsider. Which makes sense of the next thing that Matthew tells us in the story. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away. She keeps shouting after us. Now, you may not know this, but this, the disciples of Jesus have a history of trying to keep people away from him. It just, again, when you read uh, the Gospels, you will see this take place time and again. Like children, get the children away from Jesus. He doesn't have time for these children. <laughs> or the authorities, or even people like this woman who have a pressing need. It's a repeating scene that you can see in the Gospels, that this inner circle of Jesus was at times a bit pushy about who could be near him and who couldn't. So that's sort of the setup there. But I want you to notice how Jesus seems to play along. He says these words, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's a pretty strange phrase. I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now what Jesus is saying here is true in a sense that the starting point of his work was with his own people, the people of Israel. And the people of Israel were to be, at least on paper, the first to see and to recognize and embrace the world's Messiah. And his disciples, when Jesus said, I'm only here for Israel, they would have co-signed that statement straight away. They would have said exactly right. Because their comfort level um, among outsiders had not yet been stretched. Keep in mind that the very last thing Jesus says in Matthew's gospel to his disciples is, I want you to go to all the nations all the people groups. The Greek word there is uh, like an ethnic. I need you to go to all the ethnicities and to tell them about me. And so their comfort level at this point has still not been fully stretched when it comes to the outsider. And there may have also been, because this happens with all of us, there may have also been an ethos of privilege among them. We're God's chosen people. Now, read John the Baptist's words. He has some really sort of straightforward, angry things to say about that. And so maybe the disciples carry around the same sentiment of privilege, that we are God's people, and that everyone else, these outsiders, would be to be feared and not necessarily trusted. And here's this Gentile woman, this outsider, speaking to Jesus as someone And you can see it in her words. She carries around a certain kind of faith in who he is. 
I like what she does. She pushes back on Jesus with wit and savvy. Jesus makes a comment about throwing bread to dogs. Sort of a scary comment, by the way. Um, And she says, yes, that's true. Yet even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So she's savvy with Jesus. And I picture Jesus, when she says these words, I picture Jesus here smiling, marveling at her determination, her wit, and also her faith. And when I was reading this passage to prepare for today, I started writing down these questions like, was he inviting her into this? Was he pulling her in closer with his strange comments? Did she know that she would be pressed further into this situation? Was she unwittingly his example for the disciples? Remember our reading from Isaiah earlier in the service, just a couple of lines here, when Isaiah says, in the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord. Or at the end of the Isaiah reading, thus says the Lord who gathers the what? The outcasts of Israel. And with this woman, what we see is something extraordinary. What some in Israel were rejecting, this outsider Gentile was embracing. She was exhibiting a kind of faith that some of the insiders weren't. Now, something to know about the ancient church is that it was, it was primarily a Jewish sect, a branch of Judaism, Um, people who followed Jesus, Christians as we call them, they had other names back then, were initially a Jewish bunch of people. And quite early on, the church was confronted with heavy interest from Gentile communities. And there are many reasons for that, but all you need to know today is there was a lot of interest in outsiders about what was going on in this movement of Jesus. You can read one example of this in Acts chapter 15, where they're trying to decide how to let Gentiles in. It's a a major controversy in the first century, and the church worked through it. And when Matthew wrote this gospel, the church at that time was still adjusting to newcomers. A lot of outsiders were coming in And this story would have resonated greatly with the ancient church as it was their story in so many ways because they were a community learning what it meant to sit at God's table and how that table was open to all. Even those who were different, those who were other, and even those who were at one time enemies. This was a lesson the ancient church had to learn And it says something about how they viewed the gospel, the good news. It says something about how they understood Jesus and his dealings with people and who he invited in and who he let be close to him. As the late Rachel Held Evans has said, what makes the gospel offensive is not who it leaves out, but who it lets in. Amen? Now hold on to that. Because we're all at fault there. 
And I've thought long and hard about the role of the church in today's world and how the old calling to be a place for all people might just be the most beautiful move that the church could make and commit to in our time. There was so much division among people then by class and race uh, and so on. But I think about our world today and there's so much division among people. Do you notice that or is that just me? We're dividing ourselves up into labels and territories. And in some ways we have taken it upon ourselves to decide who belongs and who doesn't. And in the background of all that noise, there sits the church. This divine idea of an alternative community where the love of all people is prescribed as the way to be. I like the words from the song Peace Train from Cat Stevens where he says, out on the edge of darkness, there rides a peace train. And I think about the church at its best just sitting there at the edge of a harried world saying, well, you can come in here. You can come in here. You can come in here. Everybody can be in here. But I will admit that that is not easy. Division is easy. Are you with me on that? Do you know how quickly I could divide this room? (laughs) Do you even have a clue? I mean, I have the microphone. I could say four things, and I don't know. We might have a fight. It's so easy to do that. It's so simple. But it's more difficult to do the hard work of figuring out how everybody has a seat at God's table. Amen? And the church has not always lived up to this blueprint of inclusion, but it still remains the calling that the table is open to all. It's also quite easy not to see ourselves in this story. I think this story is really about the disciples. Because remember, they're the ones that come to Jesus and go, get her out of here. Have her move on. And I think Jesus kind of plays into that to teach a lesson about inclusion. But it's really easy not to see ourselves in the story. But all of us have this secret list of people and people groups we'd rather not welcome. And that's the challenge, I think, this story. That's the challenge, I think, that Jesus is constantly pestering us with. How much do you really believe the good news of the gospel and that everyone has a seat at that hearing of the good news? And I would say, too, this story stands as a reminder that all of us in this room, except for those of you who are Jewish, it's good for us to remember that we're all in this place simply because the ancient church had the bravery to dismantle the walls that separated friend from enemy and to open up the seating to anyone and everyone who wanted to come in. Do you recognize that? You don't belong here. I don't belong here. Not according to the ancient way. And yet the church in its earliest years said, we got to figure out 
how to let them all in. And they did. It doesn't mean we're good at it, but it remains the calling. And the ancient church turned a corner when it said, just let them in. We'll figure it out. And I like the Eucharistic tones in this story too about the bread from the table. We're all eating the crumbs. In a moment, you'll line up and come to this table to receive the bread and the juice. We're all partakers of the bread that is God's table. Amen. Keep my